Hello friends, I am so glad to be with you today. I want to say a few words about this day in history. You know, we as a people are tied to our history. And we take time today to acknowledge a terrible day in our own history of the events of May 31st and June 1st of 1921. A hundred years ago, a tragic riot and ensuing massacre cost the lives of a still unresolved number of our own citizens, mostly consisting of members of the Greenwood District of what is known as Black Wall Street. The distrust and the pain of that terrible time remains for many to this day. And only by the grace of God can we ever resolve the hurt and the pain. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we ask your grace to spread among your people, to bring not only healing but understanding to an event that could only be the result of great evil in our midst. Lord, we ask that hearts may be touched and cleansed from the thought of such repugnant behavior and turn not only to prayers and pledges to not repeat past sins, but turn to actions and outreach to bring us closer to those with whom we share common bonds to Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, for your comfort as we also remember those who have passed from among us to be with you in glory, waiting with patience for that great day when we are united with Christ in the heaven to come. Amen. The Ministry of Reconciliation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians 5.18. Ministry of reconciliation. What exactly does that mean? And what does it mean to us? We have many ministries that God calls us to use our special gifts and talents for. There are those who are called to be in ministry to the grieving, ministry to the homeless, ministry to the various segments of our society who are deemed lost and out of the mainstream. But this ministry, this ministry of reconciliation, is a ministry that we are all called to. This is a change of how we are identified because now we are in a relationship with the glorified Christ. To be reconciled with Christ is to be brought into balance with His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness for us. We are a new creature, a new creation. Our balance sheet has been brought into agreement with Christ. 
We know that we are a new creation because of the words of John from the fifth chapter of the 24th verse. Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. We have come into agreement with Jesus Christ. We are reconciled to his way of thinking. We don't rely on our own confidence or our own experience. But we are a new creation because Jesus said so. It is established by the word of God. We are that new creation through Christ. This is a bond that we entered into with Christ at the cross when we accepted him in our hearts as Savior. We have an obligation and that is to abide in him and in him we abide in his word. We are in him and he is in us. And so because we are reconciled to him, we have the freedom to face temptation and failure and danger in new and different ways. The Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed us and we are that new creation in him. When we begin to grasp who we are in Christ, as we become more mature in Christ, we begin to understand the totality of his death for us, his resurrection for us, and his indwelling in us. The one in whom we abide and who abides in us is in charge of our restoration. The ministry of reconciliation is God's call to the lost everywhere to come to him with all of our sins, all of our burdens, all of our problems, every difficulty, and be reconciled to God. Reconciliation should not be confused as salvation. Reconciliation goes beyond salvation. It's much more than having our sins forgiven and divine justice being satisfied. Reconciliation is that change in relationship. It means for us to change everything about us. It means to change inside out and upside down and right side up. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The verse for today said that he, that is God, reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciliation is the ministry of changing us completely. Yes, that change comes in us. We are the ones completely changing. God is never changing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, Paul goes on to say these words. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting them trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us.
God and entrusted us with the message. Think of the enormity of that statement, that God finds us worthy of trust. We have become God's confidant, his trusted worker, his messenger of salvation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, Paul completes his thoughts saying, so we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. One day we were in death without life about us. The next moment, as we reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we became one with him and are ambassadors of his mind to the world. Webster defines an ambassador as a minister of the highest rank, accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the official representative of his own government. We are sovereign. We find ourselves to be an ambassador to Christ residing in a foreign land. When we view the world, we see it going on its own sinful way. But the truth is that the world is reconciled through Christ through his death and his resurrection. The hard work has been done at the cross, and it is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed that day on the cross at Calvary. We now carry that message and our witness to God's power to change us, to rearrange our lives into a people committed to servanthood and keeping God's word to break bread together, to share in fellowship and worship because we have taken the word of Christ. Come to me, he said, and here we stand in his presence. A sinner once lost to the world, but a sinner who benefits from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as he reaches down to save all those who will come to him. Jesus Christ bore all that judgment on himself so that now the world is recognized to God. Christ did not come to charge men's sins against him, but to pay our debt. That also includes the debts of those that we don't understand. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. 
Praise be to God. We have been reconciled. You know that you were ransomed for the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. All glory to God from Peter 1, 17 through 19. You know, John Wesley wrote of an example of how we're not only reconciled to Jesus Christ, but because of that fact, we are reconciled to another. In his sermon number seven, The Way to the Kingdom, Wesley uses as a basis the letter to Philemon when he asked for the welcome of Onesimus and especially the forgiveness of any wrong done, inviting reconciliation between the parties. John Wesley would describe reconciliation as atonement, at one mint with God. This reconciliation is the result of the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for all. An individual acceptance for this forgiveness results in reconciliation or a right relationship with God in Christ. According to Wesley, reconciliation with God brings an individual to unspeakable joy and hope for the fullness of the image of God to be revealed through the Holy Spirit's ongoing work of sanctification. This deep relationship with God enables believers to extend grace, forgiveness, and mercy to others as persons grow into the image of Christ. All of our relationships can conform to this pattern of holy living. Paul's letter to Philemon was a personal request on the part of Onesimus. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul addressed the broader body of those who believe in Christ, accept his word, and come into reconciliation, not only with Christ, but with others, the Jew and the Gentile. Could there have been any greater divide at the time of Jesus than between Jew and Gentile. Paul says that the spirit of the air, of darkness, is at work among those who are disobedient. All of us have been subject to sin and desires, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the grace and the great love which he loved us even when we were dead to our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In verse 11, there comes the powerful, so then. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision. By those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants and promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ made these two bodies one. He brought Gentile and Jew to be his. He has the power for that reconciliation. And he has the power to reconcile you and to those from whom we are separated. So let me ask you this. Do we believe the Bible is sufficient for all things? As believers in Christ, do we believe that sin is institutional or is it found solely in the heart of man? If God can bring Jew and Gentile to reconciliation and have the power to forgive sin, then he and his book are certainly sufficient to handle our reconciliation. We have become the weak link. Ah, but there's a fly in the ointment. How many of you enjoy conflict and confrontation? I think they both get a bad rap. I know in the past when I thought of these two as evil twins and I, I thought of people battling and butting heads, mistrusting one another, trying to feed each other in a resounding way. Others may take every step needed to avoid conflict and confrontation. Seeing that total avoidance of these two is a, a pathway to peace. But I've come to understand that conflict and confrontation don't have to be brutal or insulting. Conflict and confrontation can teach both sides. Conflict and confrontation bring two sides to the table to exchange differences and resolve issues. For the follower and believer in Jesus Christ, this can be a holy conference and a time of exchanging hearts and thoughts, a time to resolve, a time to become one with Christ at the helm. So the question becomes, if brothers and sisters are reconciled to Jesus Christ, are they enemies? Can they be enemies? How can you be an enemy to some when you have someone you have never known? Christ has done the hard work of reconciliation at the cross. Our responsibility becomes to live reconciliation out in our own lives. Jesus never shied away from conflict or confrontation. Jesus constantly was in conflict with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. He was in conflict with and confronted evil spirits. The majority of healings that he did were the driving out of those evil spirits. There was one time in scripture when the conflict and confrontation boiled over 
as Jesus threw the moneylenders out of his father's house. But most were done with grace. Let me illustrate this by using the example of the adulterous woman from John 8, 1 through 11. And this is the story of the scribes and Pharisees bringing a woman accused of being caught in adultery. They made her stand before all of them and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. And so they demanded that the law of Moses be invoked and stone this woman to death. And they demanded to know what response of Jesus would have to, to test him and give them reason to bring charges against him. Well, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And they kept questioning him. Jesus stood and said to them, Let anyone among you his without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he bent down again, and he continued writing on the ground. This is when they began to walk away, the older men first, followed by the younger. And then Jesus addressed the woman, saying to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. This is grace. This is reconciliation. Neither side condemned. The men who would stone the woman re reconciled to the righteousness of the words of Jesus. The woman reconciled to Jesus in his grace for her and sent on her way to sin no more. There are building blocks to reconciliation. First, there is the recognition that there's an issue. An issue that is blocking our relationship with a brother or a sister. Secondly, we begin to feel remorse because we know that we did contribute to the issue. And thirdly, there is repentance to ask for God to forgive us. These things go together as the foundation of being a minister of reconciliation. We come to recognition and we remove to remorse then into repentance, then into resolve by reconciliation. In Celebrate Recovery 12-step program, there comes a time when the participant is asked to create a worksheet, a worksheet of their life experiences in order to sort through how these events continue to have an impact on their lives. Well, on the chart, in the first column, there's a space for the person who is the object of my resentment or fear. And I bet each of us could log in a name or two over a lifetime.
Now, this could be anyone in our lives that still holds power over us, even when they are not there. This is a burden that Christ promises to lift from us. In column two is the place to explain the cause. What specific action did that person take that caused me hurt? We need to bring clarity for specific forgiveness. Column three asks, what was the effect? What effect did that action have on my life? Does the pain linger on? Has it become my life crutch or my excuse generator? Does the resentment run so deep that it's difficult to even speak their name? And column four, the damage. What damage did that action do to my basic social, my security, and maybe my sexual instincts? Now, this would be a good point to remember that trauma caused to children does not mean that they had a part in it. They remain innocent. And I say that here because the fifth column can be a real challenge because it asks, what was my part in it? Who are the people I have hurt? And how have I hurt them? What of my faults am I willing to admit to? This is the tough part of reconciliation between parties. What could I have done differently and what am I going to do about it now? A life lived in Christ is a life full of opportunity. We are given as a gift for our faith and believe eternal life. We have the opportunity to live forever in the righteous protection of Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity to live among one another in that same righteousness if our egos can bear the brunt of our own mistakes. Reconciliation is so much more than resolving differences. It is coming together in Christ, united under that one banner of grace and love toward another. Weighing every thought, every action, every deed done to one another must be balanced by the righteousness of Christ. That is the challenge for me and for you as a new creature. Think as a new creature. As a new creature, act as a new creature. Let the old creature die and live our lives in the newness of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you for this day that we cast before you our sins, our shortcomings. Lord, you have reconciled us with you. Lord, give us the strength. Your countenance guide us, O Lord. Your word teach us, O God. 
to reconcile with other brothers and sisters. That we may come together in your name, even though, Lord, we all fall short. Strengthen us as we reconcile to God through Christ. Let us reconcile to one another through Christ as well. Amen.
You know, Brittany, I only know like 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. <laughs> Throughout the summer, children and student ministries are offering activities, summer camps and mission opportunities. Check your email or the Christchurch website for more information. You can also email or call us to get added to the mailing list for your child or teen. Christchurch will award three $400 college academic scholarships and a $500 Epperly Music Scholarship for the 2021-22 school year. Applications can be found in the office and in the weekly e-note from Pastor Bob. Contact me, Lisa Bennett, in the office with questions. The Early Learning Center opens June 7th. There are only a few spots left, so don't wait to enroll. ELC focuses on giving your child a great start from three months to three years old. You can find all of this information on our website, cumctulsa.com.